Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Love. Love, love, love. A simple word, right? Simple word with that happens to be filled in our language with a magnitude of meanings. Amen? I mean, when I tell Yvette that I love her, it's not quite the same as when I tell her mom that I love her. Right? Her mo- my mother-in-law is here today. And it's not quite the same thing, is it? But it's just the same word. Love. If I say I love uh, gentlemen, uh, men, if I say I love your wife, it's, it's in Christian love. Amen? Don't get jealous. But we only have one word in our language. And yet in Greek, in the Greek language, there's eight words for love. Now, Pastor Jeff, he has educated us on some of those words. I know at least three of them for sure. Eight words for love. But in most languages throughout the world, there's multiple words for love. In fact, Tamil, which is in, uh, I think it was India, southern India. That's the language they speak, Tamil, Tamil, however you want to say it. Fifty words for love in their language. They want to make sure you understand what you mean when you say, I love you. There is another language there, I, I just, just in, 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 in thinking about it, that has 95 words for love in India. I guess they really want to make sure you understand how you love them or how someone is loved. Thankfully, though, even though we only have one word in our in our language, in our country, in our nation, we celebrate holidays, don't we? Out of love. In fact, one of them is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. I know the men didn't forget that this year, right? Valentine's Day. It, it, it's it's a it's a holiday where we put into action what we feel. For one another. For many of us, it's a romantic love, Valentine's Day. That's what we're celebrating. Overall, did you realize that $20 billion are spent for Valentine's Day in our country alone? Men, that's a lot of money you're spending. Amazingly, 6 million Americans... Become engaged on that day. Six million on average. On the opposite end of that, ironically, divorce filings go up 40% the day after Valentine's Day. Now, either you're getting the wrong thing or you're not getting anything at all. Now, those are statistics. 
A closer look at our calendar, though, it shows that we set apart certain days of the year to celebrate the objects of our love. How about Nurses Day? We love nurses, right? We have a day of the year that we celebrate nurses. Mother's Day, Father's Day. We have days for parents, Parents' Day, Grandparents' Day, Children's Day, Bosses' Day, even Mother-in-Law Day, days. How about that? And Veterans' Day. And, I, and some of you can say yes for that one, right? Veterans, that's veterans. And thankfully, we have holidays to show our love for our Lord and our Savior Jesus, don't we? Easter. Christmas. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Love, love, love. One word. So many meanings. Everyone is looking for love and to be loved. Don't get me wrong, these holidays are, they're, they're very good. I'm not putting them down at all. I, I think they're great and I'm thankful that we have them to remember, to celebrate, and to love others. We may need more of them. I don't know. In the same way though, God wants us to be reminded today that love comes from God. God is love. Love comes from God and God is love. And when we say God is love, just as Pastor Jeff would tell you, he's, He is love. That's a noun. Agape. And He loves us. That's agapio. A verb. And so, love. God is love. Without God, there is no love. i got to get that point across. <laughs> This means without His love in your heart, you cannot love others the way He loves. You can love, but not the way He loves. Because love comes from Him. Amen? Love comes from God. Now, John helps us with this truth here in his first letter, in First John I mean, this is all agape, agapio kind of love here. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from who? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Verse 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent us His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Love comes from God. God is love. With this truth about God's love freshly planted in our thoughts here. I want to give you a narrative background of the passage that we're going to read here in just a moment. 
Uh, you can go ahead and turn to that passage. It's John chapter 4. We'll be looking at a few verses there. I'll be using the, the uh, New Living Translation today. Uh, for now, uh, again, you can go ahead and turn there. I want to talk you through up to the point of the, of the passage. It was right at noontime as she made her way to fill the large water jar at the famous well of Jacob. She did it every day. I mean, it was a a daily ritual for her. And as she did it, she moaned to herself, remembering that this is the hottest time of the day. And she would go to that well at that time because no one else would be there. Her life in this small Samaritan village of Sychar was the subject of much gossip and much talk. Her life was filled with broken promises and even bad choices. As she neared the well, she momentarily gazed towards a man who was standing at the well. As was her custom, she didn't dare look directly at him. But she saw that he's there. The question in her mind is, why is he there? At this time of the day. And for that matter, why is he there alone? This is Samaria, and she could tell that he was a Jew just from glancing at him. This is Samaria. What is he doing at that well? Jews think that we are half-breed, she's thinking to herself. They say that we're mixed Jews, or maybe mixed up Jews, because we have Canaanite blood flowing in our veins. She is even more astonished when she gets there and he asks her for a drink. She then looks at him and asks him, why? Why would a Jew dare to want a drink from a Samaritan woman? Not even for a moment does she realize who he is. He tells her that if she knew better, she would ask him for a drink of living water that he could give her. She questions his offer and keenly reminds him that this well, sir, (laughs) this is Jacob's well. This is Jacob, uh, our ancestor that we both worship and, and have as in common. This is his well. He dug this well and the water here is the best you'll find. But the Jewish man insists that the living water he is offering her is better. Because if she drinks it, she will never thirst again. And she thinks for a moment. (laughs) And then a light comes on her head. And then she all all but demands the water then from this guy, right? Hey, give me this water. This this, this stranger, this Jew. She says, I want this water. And in her way of thinking, this living water, if she drinks it and even takes it home and everybody else drinks it, she won't have to come and get water every day. It's obvious she sees a physical need for the water. 
and not a spiritual need yet. It's obvious this woman did not know that she was speaking to Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the only son of God, the true and living God. She doesn't realize that yet. Realizing that the woman is asking for physical water, Jesus wants to move her. He wants to move her towards a spiritual water. To do that, Jesus sort of changes the conversation. As we will see in our reading of the passage here. For those able, I would like for you to stand this morning, if you don't mind. And if you can't, it's okay. You, you, can, you can remain seated. Speaking of water, I thought I'd better take a, a little bit. But, and we'll read this. John chapter 4, verses 16 through 29. You'll see them up on, the, up on the screen. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here on the Mount of Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Verse 21, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of His Word today. You know, I didn't mention it earlier, but I think it's important that we realize in this account, knowingly and intentionally, Jesus chose to go to Samaria that day. I mean, most Jews go around Samaria when they're going to Galilee. They take the long way around so they don't have to walk through there. And this Samaritan woman, you know, she stated that that uh, Jews won't have anything to do with us. And, and, of course, Jesus knows this, but he intentionally wanted to go through Samaria, uh, Samaria because, really, when he went, you know, going there, he knows he would be called one of those people, <laughs> right? One of those, one of those Jews. But Jesus saw an opportunity here. Jesus was on a mission. Remember that I, I shared with you that the woman wanted the living water Jesus offered, She wanted it. And thus she immediately asked for the water. And then the discussion changes in verse 16, where where we say, go ahead, Jesus tells her, go ahead and get your husband. I don't have a husband, 
The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for the you have five. You've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. The woman is visibly moved by Jesus's knowledge about her life. How could he know this? You know, we're not made aware of why the woman had come, you know, had to come to the well every day at that time, at the hottest time of the day. There's nothing making us aware of that. We don't know why she had, she has married five times. Since in those days, women didn't have the right to divorce. They had no control over that. They had no property rights, even as a widow. We don't know why she is not married to the man she lives with now, do we? We don't know. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew there was something in her life that was missing. And sadly, she had spent her whole life thus far attempting to fill the need in all the wrong ways. Jesus could see that this woman who remains nameless, we don't know her name, she's just the woman at the well, has spent her adult life looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus told her something that to her he shouldn't know. When he says, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're with now. For some crazy reason, Jesus' revelation about this woman reminds me about a country song by, written by Bob Morrison. I was looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. Now, I'm from Texas, so why wouldn't I pick a country song, right? I don't know if this would have been this woman's story or not. I don't know if this would have been her song. I, I don't know. I also don't know if, if I would have even talked to that woman that day. If it would have been me there meeting her at that well. I'm also asking myself if I would have offered her anything that day. Maybe I would have just looked the other way. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have judged and even condemned her in my mind, in my heart. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But I think that's one of the stories in here. I'm reminded about those people I see on the side of the road holding up the tattered sign, the cardboard sign. Have you ever seen them? They hold them up. Do you ever read those signs? Or do you just try your best not to? And they're asking someone. They're they're wanting someone to roll down their car window and love them. Wait a minute. Love them? Now that's not what the words say on that sign, right? Would you please love me? I'm convinced. I've convinced myself many times that they're only asking for money. Right? They're asking for money. Money to buy another drink, maybe, or to, or to get another fix. Thus I 
I think I need to be asking myself, what would Jesus do? Right? You see those people, I see them. In our passage, Jesus knows everything about this woman and still offers her something she needs. Something that is missing and says something, that something is forgiveness. She needs forgiveness. She, she needs acceptance. She needs inclusion. And out of love for her, Jesus is offering her living water that will more than quench her need for forgiveness. Amen. Wow. That's what she needs. You see, she doesn't make the connection yet. But this living water is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. The Samaritan woman now realizes there is something different about this man. (laughs) She was very defensive about her life. When she first talked to him. And maybe she had, she felt like she had a lot to hide. I, I don't know, but, but, but she sees that this Jew does not push her away. Even though she's not like him. She pointed out to Jesus that the Jews and the Samaritans worship God on two different mountaintops. She pointed that out. They can't agree on a place to worship. And yet, Jesus, you accept me. You accept me, Jesus. Wow. You accept me just the way I am. Why is this? She asked. Why do you accept me? Jesus quickly answers this question by telling her that even now, it is not the place that you worship that really matters. Reading from verse 23, he says this, But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus is actually putting His words into action with this woman. We see it here. He points out that that true worship starts with God, who is, a, who is seeking worshipers, right? He's a seeking God. He, he draws us to Himself. He loves us first. It reminds me, I, I remember this thought that God loves us first. I tell my kids all the time when they say, Dad, I love you. I say, well, I loved you first. Amen. We can do that as parents. And it's true. God says that to us. I loved you first before you even knew me. You see, this is exactly what Jesus is doing with this woman. He is reaching out to her with love. Again, the country song says this. I'm from Texas. I gotta, gotta bring this in. You came knocking on my heart's door. You're everything I've been looking for. That's what she's saying. Jesus is knocking on her heart's door, offering a love that forgives. There is something different about this Jesus. She can tell, and we must ask ourselves, can people tell there's something different about us? 
Can that person on the side of the road tell there's something different about you? Can they tell that you care? Or do they feel only judgment and shame coming from me? That's what I have to ask myself. What would Jesus do? Pastor Kyle reminded us last week in his sermon that Jesus commanded us to love the unlovable. Love your enemies, right? In John's Gospel account, Jesus tells us how much we are to love each other. And for that matter, even the unlovable. And you know who they are. We are to love others just as He loves us. Jesus explains that His love for us is founded in the Father's love for Him. In other words, God is love. Love comes from God. This means that without His love in our hearts, we cannot love others the way He loves. Because His, because love comes from Him. Paul speaks to this truth in his letter to the Christians in Rome. He writes in, in Romans 5, verse 5, For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. 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 Paul tells us the Holy Spirit fills us with love. A love we are commanded to share with others. The Holy Spirit challenges you and me today. Asking us, do you really believe that God's love is enough? Any amens? And if it is enough, then offer it to others. No matter how much they disagree with you about something. No matter how hard they are to love. And some of them are really rascals, aren't they? Henri. No matter how different they are from you. And some of them are really different. No matter what they have done to hurt you. And some have really hurt you. No matter what it has cost you. And it has cost you. Love them. Why? Because God loves you. Today, we can rejoice in knowing that we have more than enough of God's love to share with others. Amen? Yes, we do. In closing, we have been encouraged by this message to offer Jesus' kind of love, His kind of love, to anyone and everyone, even to those who might not think their life is worth saving. We need to offer it to them And even if they think their sin and guilt is bigger than God's love. Because they do. We can, you know, you see, when we offer this kind of love to them, no matter what they have done wrong in life, no matter uh, whether we personally like them or not, we do that because God's love is enough. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you for your love. Lord, you have shown us in your word why you tell us to love others. Because we are loved. And we're to share that love with others. Lord, I would ask now, as from a pastoral heart, that you would touch this flock. You would soften those hearts for those that you are drawing us towards. Even if we don't want to be, even if we don't, we throw our nose up to them, Lord. Even if we don't like what they're doing, even if we think it's their fault that they're in the situation they're in, we are to love them and share your love with them. And Lord, I would ask that we would do that. That, oh, Holy Spirit, you would encourage us. Those people that you bring into our lives, you bring them there for a reason so they'll know they are loved. Lord, we'd ask all these things in your name today and just and thank, thank you, Lord, for your love towards us. Amen. Well, I want to bless you today and send you out with a blessing. I want you to go and realize, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians, which I think uh, kind of sums up what we've been talking about. I want you to go today realizing that if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had, to, if I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Go from this place today knowing God's love is enough. So share it. Thank you for coming today. May God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.